listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure. Complex topics explained simply. From the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes. By way, the curbs and streets we design. City engineering touches your life in so many ways. Explained right now in Everyday Engineering. The city's first sheltered campground on 3202 Dairy Drive is the first of its kind in the area as a temporary solution for those experiencing unsheltered homelessness. Racing against winter is one of many pressures this project puts on city staff, but we're working together to make sure this happens because we're not only public servants, but this work really matters. My name is Hannah Molinitsky, City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer. In a nutshell, I lead communications for the Engineering Division, just one agency involved in this impactful project. Today at the table is Brian Cooper, Principal Architect from our Engineering Division Facilities Management Section. And also joining us at the table is Jim O'Keefe, the City's Community Development Division Director. Thank you both for fitting this conversation into your busy schedules right now. Very appreciated. We all know that we're in the middle of dairy drive work. So um, if we were to go out there right now, it's dirt. And I, I say this, it's October, end of October in 2021 right now, in case someone's listening to this later after the fact. So if we were to go out there right now, it's dirt dug up, but also kind of put back together. And we're getting closer to welcoming 30 new units and structures, which will be about eight by eight feet for those who need shelter. And we'll get into the, the tiny homes and those unit structures in just a bit and the more logistics. But can you both share just your specific role in this project to kick us off? And Brian, why don't you start off? Okay, uh, my name is Brian Cooper. I work in the engineering facilities group. Um, my role, um, I guess is multifaceted here, but primarily overseeing the design work uh, and the, our design team, as well as um, working with our construction team to make sure that we are getting all the products and uh, the installations occurring on time. And then for Dairy Drive, what are you doing? For Dairy Drive, uh, <laughs> uh, same, same and similar. Um, uh, same role that I have at uh, in the facilities group, which is overseeing the design work um, and also helping oversee the construction work. Now, of course, there's many, many people involved. I'm just one person. Sure. But um, I'm one of the primary people responsible for making sure that the design and construction work is completed per um, all the uh, regulations and um, meeting all the codes that are required. Following the rules and getting it done on time. Correct. Yes, two big chunks. Jim, your agency is also a big, huge chunk of this. Can you share your role in all of this project? Yes, so we were more of the idea folks. Um, we helped uh, conceptualize the design plan, <clears throat> what, what this was a response to, which was really the, the need for alternatives to um, unstructured encampments like um, the, the one that many are familiar with that, that is um, currently out at Rindel Park. Mm -hmm. We needed to pitch the idea to policymakers and, and get their approval, um, identify a source of funding. Um, I've been involved a fair amount with external communications, mm -hmm. um, with policymakers, with area residents and, and businesses, and with service providers. And uh, still ahead for us, you know, we'll, we'll play a lead role in the implementation, the de development of an operations plan, um, deciding who will live or, or go to Dairy Drive and, and those kinds of operational questions. Sure. 
Yeah, the operational part is still a chunk that I think a lot of people are curious about in this process, which will be coming. How did this idea come to be? You know, how did we decide, oh, you know, I, and we know the term, you know, tiny homes, that, that doesn't quite fit this in particular, but I guess, how did we come to be that that would be a solution for anyone experiencing homelessness in our community? So this is different from the tiny home village, and, and yet we did draw quite heavily on that model. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we drew on that model largely in the, in the sense of, of wanting um, a more structured, a more managed alternative to, um, again, the, the situations that have arisen in a couple of locations in, in the city of Madison um, for persons who are experiencing homelessness. Sure. Um, but the idea of a, of a sheltered campground really arose out of um, a couple of things. First, acknowledgement that there is a population of, of homeless uh, people in Madison who are unsheltered, who do, do not take advantage of um, congregate shelter facilities that are available. Mm-hmm. Um, there are currently not places in Madison that are equipped um, either physically or legally uh, to handle uh, people in that condition. Sure. Um, and and lastly, with without um, active management and, and structure, um, we've learned that uh, homeless encampments can create unsafe and unhealthy and um, disruptive conditions. So we came to this this as sheltered campground right. as an option, something we've never quite done before. Correct? We've never done this before. Yeah. This is our first attempt. Sure. In fact, um, until the end of August, it was not legal by city um, zoning ordinance. It was not legal to have a campground anywhere in the city of, of Madison. So this is, in many ways, it, it's a first legally and, you know, the, the logistics that we'll um, get into a little bit. Sure. But the timeline for all of this, as we, we were talking, you know, this is, you know, the the emergency order came through council or what was the, the actual wording I'm saying incorrectly? It, it was a, a resolution that really acknowledged that there was a, a state of emergency, um, really largely focused on um, the encampment at Randall Park and mm-hmm. I think more generally the city's um, lack of resources to adequately and safely and humanely meet the needs of unsheltered homeless people. Okay. So that passed at the end of? End of August. End of August, correct. And then after that passed, in comes the the construction work, really heavy lifting that really kind of comes through. Um, We got to find a location. We have to find land. We need to design it. Talk me through some of that, Brian. Once that passes, then what? Yeah, so um, of course with any project, you have to do some preliminary planning. uh, in order to, especially at this scale, uh, right. to do some preliminary planning. So y- the city owns a number of sites around um, uh, around the city of Madison. Um, the, prior to sort of my involvement, there was some um, reviews of those sites to try to find a suitable location. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of work was already being done prior to the emergency order being completed just in order to be prepared if, uh, if there was uh, something uh, that was needed, and obviously there was with the emergency order. So right. in the month of August, um, 
we were already looking at that particular site to try to start to do some preliminary plans. Dairy um, Drive. Excuse me, a Dairy yes. Drive site. Yeah. Um, to do some preliminary planning just so we could just conceptually understand whether uh, this idea would even uh, work so that we could explain that to um, you know, folks like uh, working with uh, Community Development Division and many, many different uh, leaders in the city and the agencies that have to um, kind of work together to get this done. So we're doing some preliminary planning in August, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and then in as that after that resolution passed, uh, we really had to bear down to complete the design and make sure it worked for uh, both um, you know community development, but also just what the site would give us in terms of the space that was there, um, how to access it, um, how the the unit the uh, shelter units would fit on the site, how a bathroom, shower, toilet mm -hmm. facility would fit on the site, right. where where there could be some communal spaces. So we started really working on design at that point and then uh, we're very fortunate and I guess it's by design and engineering that we have uh, really skilled labor and uh, we have a lot of equipment <laughs> in order to get things done so right. um, we had a real advantage there as a city um, and as a, and as a division to uh, support the community development division and the um, and, and all the all the leaders that were involved in the project to provide both design labor and then also construction labor on very short order right. to get work done to be prepared for um, the, eventually for these shelters to come onto the site. Which to to just kind of unpack that and understand how like yes we have our our people in house doing this work especially in the landscape the construction landscape and the industry that we're in currently with things on back order and. Um, wait time for different trades is long, you know, and all of these things. So the fact that we could do this, we have our staff in-house to be able to pull this off in so fast, um, I think really does speak to our resources, our efficiency, and also it's got to get done because people need it. Um, so I think that, that that's a, I just wanted to take a moment to unpack that because it also is more cost effective as well. Absolutely. And um no, of course, we, we have a lot of partnerships with uh, the private contracting community yes. and folks. In fact, there's, you know, multiple contractors that have ha had completed work on the site, and we're very uh, grateful for that, that they were able to fit us, uh, this project, into their schedule on oh, very yes. short notice. Mm -hmm. um, but you're absolutely right, Hannah. The, the industry right now, uh, you know, the, between a combination of labor shortage and material uh, supply chain issues, uh, it's been very challenging. And um, in order, in in, in since we're able to have sort of labor on the ready on uh, that work for the city, it reduces a lot of the uh, headwinds or the friction that 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 occurs when you have to uh, bid projects out, um, reach out to different contractors to see if they even have availability on the schedule. So mm -hmm. that ability to react quickly um, is unique, I think, um, and and fits well with a unique project like this. It's unique, but it isn't the first. Um, kind of um, shelter initiative that we've we've kind of tackled and took on straight on um, in the last really last couple years um, we've had um, and you can correct me if I'm missing one but we have the first street fleet building which was converted into um, well fleet moved out and um, we converted it to a, sing a shelter for single men um, we did work on Milwaukee Street for the Carmenta nursing home at a, one point now serving families um, who need homes and um, or a temporary solution. And then now this, a to again, a very unique situation. Um, so 
it's and actually Hannah you did miss the the first before before first street there was the Warner Park community rec center that was converted so thank you so this all um, I mean it's these are all examples of of um, of engineering really the, the the team that Brian is part of um, mobilizing quickly and and meeting needs that we had in the um, that we had identified primarily through the community development division um, and and in many ways really connected to the pandemic and um, responding to de deficiencies on on several fronts um, in our capabilities to um, serve that um, community of people who experience homelessness you know I think exactly what you just said and why does it seem it may not have always been it may have always been a priority i don't i can't speak to that in this moment because i've i've not been at the city to understand the history and and how things have changed over decades and focusing on homelessness in our community but it seems like there's an uptick in prioritizing making sure this has happened and action and it might be just because it's more public i don't know can you share a little bit about like we've had you know these four major projects helping people in our community and i guess why is that why is that i'm curious i think it i think it begins with the the physical facilities that we have relied upon for so long to serve um, uh, men and and families and and women who experience homelessness we've for many many years, depended upon the the basements of churches in in downtown Madison, and um, converted schoolhouses to provide that function. Those of us who work in this area have known for a long time that that those facilities were um, inadequate. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the pandemic that that literally forced us um, out of them because they were no longer um, safe enough to. To provide the function that they were providing, and and so that really started the process. It it um, reinvigorated discussions about uh, replacing those congregate shelter settings, um, <clears throat> and and I think as we um, as we experience more people unwilling to use congregate settings and and choose to live outdoors, um, it just became um, ever more clear how un, uh, unprepared or ill-equipped we were. Um, as a city to meet those needs. So these were all different responses to those um, those kinds of deficiencies. Absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, and then how do these projects, because this is an engineering podcast and we talked about the overall big big picture with you, Jim, and a second ago, how does this impact, how does this impact our workflow, Brian? I mean, you know, what makes these different than our tip than our typical work, which includes, you know, remodels, preservation, new builds. What what makes this sort of work different, and how is it really impacting us? Yeah, good question. I, I think if if you think about uh, facilities in general at the city, you know, we're working on buildings like libraries, uh, fire stations, police stations, um, other buildings that are city functions. Um, those projects often go through a very sort of methodical, um, iterative. Um, some would argue maybe slow <laughs> process yep. um, from conception, um, budgeting, design, and bidding and construction. Um, these projects are um, significantly different in the fact that they're generally, uh, maybe the word emergency is not used formally, but we're essentially acting in an emergency um, capacity since uh, March of 2020. Sure. Uh, starting with Warner Park. 
first mm -hmm. then first street then the carmento facility for the former carmento facility for the family mm -hmm. and now the this campground in those instances um we don't have uh, a lot of time to um uh, circle around and around on decisions um, we have had to come to decisions very efficiently uh, we don't have time to put meetings off or suggest that we could deal with it in a month or two months uh, we have to act now so we've had to um, uh, corral and uh, motivate many different groups of people at the city mm -hmm. um, from um, ourselves in engineering um, community development, which has been our partner throughout this whole process, of course. That's our client, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and then many different agencies. There's a lot of regulatory agencies that we work with between planning, building inspection, zoning, mm -hmm. um, public health, and many different agencies that have regulatory components that we all have to uh, be ready to be uh, on the same page, sort of rowing in the same direction in a very short order. Um, and so I would say that's kind of the big difference for us is just the sense of urgency to get these items, these projects um, underway, designed, consensus built, and, and then literally built uh, in, in very short time. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, on some of the projects, we already had buildings in place um, that we were able to convert, um, and that was very helpful uh, to have those items in place. Uh, this is this campground is slightly different, obviously, because it was a you know a sort of grassy field uh, yep. until you know a month or two ago. So um, I would say just the biggest issue, the biggest component, I would just say is there is a sense of urgency, mm -hmm. and it does seem uh, to me as if uh, the various uh, components of the city are all working together to try to meet that urgency. I think from my perspective in communications, that is true. It is the prime example of how government works for its community in these emergency situations when there's a need and you react. And you react quickly, efficiently, ethically, um, you know, from every perspective. That is how it is supposed to work, is when your community has a need and you pull the resources together and you do it well and you do it quickly and um, through every sort of lens that you're supposed to work through and make sure it's right. And um, so it, it puts a lot of pride in, I think, all of our team, but it also, um, it really means everything to our community. We have to talk about the units, um, the units that are th about 30 of them at Dairy Drive, 30 is 30, not about 30, 30. Exactly 30. Thank That's you. Okay, the company we're working with, Pallet, how did we find them? Why did we choose them? We don't have to elaborate a ton on this, but I just wanted to know, where did we find them? How did we choose them? Actually, the mayor, um, believe it or not, identified um, this company as, as somebody to um, check in with and follow up on. We were, I think we were focused on the idea of, of, of doing, modeling something akin to the, to the tiny house village model. Sure. Um, and, and it was uh, Mayor Rhodes Conway who, who found Pallet Shelter, suggested we take a look. Mm -hmm. um, we did, we were interested in what they had. We had conversations with them. Uh, we had conversations with other communities around the country that had used their product and um, decided to give it a try. And they're based out of Seattle, I believe. Yeah, the, um, uh, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I, sure. I believe they work and, and manufacture the product uh, out of Everett, Washington, which is sort sure. of about 
30 miles north of Seattle, roughly. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they they uh, they work out of that general region. Yep. So um, the homes will, well, I, I say homes, the units, the structures, the shelters will be eight by eight. They'll have heating, AC, tiny fridge, built-in bunk, one mattress provided, electricity for one outlet, and enough to run, obviously, the heating and AC um, if needed, um, and built-in lights. Am I missing anything? You're missing one important thing, and that, that is what, what we're bringing to Dairy, <coughs> Dairy Drive is more than just um, it, just the, the shelters and the, and the physical amenities, but uh, we'll also be bringing um, professional staff, on-site support staff that will work with um, people that use the campground, help them address whatever it is that is preventing them from um, finding and maintaining stable housing. Because at, at the end of the day, Dairy Drive is not someplace that we want uh, for people to be living long-term, but rather to use as a resource while they connect to more permanent, more stable housing options. Sure. Thank you. And... I can't forget also um, the building donated by BMO Harris, which I did. I was at Hilldale where it was, and it moved along the Beltline to Dairy Drive. Yes, a big building, which will be um, the place for six showers, six bathrooms, an office, central office that will sit at the front of the, the, <laughs> the property. That was a feat in itself, trying to get that across town. Um, anything I'm missing other than the, the, the nuts and bolts of it and logistics paired with the resources? Uh, did, the, I think you covered most of it. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I would just like to add that it was, uh, you know, the, sometimes the, the, and most times these projects can be very stressful in terms of trying to get all the design approvals and uh, make sure that the buildings are built properly. Sure. Uh, but you know, under the heading of unique, which we talked about earlier, um, this was just a really kind of fascinating part to you know personally for me, probably by our team. Uh, you know, just the idea that we could um, uh, find this building in partnership with um, others at the city that pointed it out to us, um, work with you know a local contracting and moving company to get it moved. Mm -hmm. Um, and not throw that building into the landfill because um, Hilldale has future plans for that area and it, sure. that building needed to leave that space. So right. it was just a really kind of uh, just serendipitous moment where that building needed to leave that site and we were working on this development where we needed the building. So uh, that was a great opportunity for us to not only have a building for the site for people to use showers and toilets and sinks, have an office space, but also for, uh, you know, just the environment on having to throw this facility into the, the landfill. Absolutely. Why is this work important? Why is this work important? Why do we need to continue to pay attention to the needs of our community? I think that there are a few examples where the work that we do has a, a greater impact on the health and well-being of, of people in this community than, than what we're doing at Dairy Drive and some of the other things that we've done around supporting our, our homeless population. So um, as, as winter approaches, the health and safety of people who are unsheltered in Madison um, is, is even more at peril. And so this is really designed to improve um, their conditions um, to provide a, a more humane and, and safe option for them. Brian? 
Well, it's a, it's a, it's a big question. Um, of course, I'm an architect. I'm a licensed architect. Uh, one of the primary reasons for license, licensure is uh, to pre protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public, and that's why you have a license. And, and shelter is the most basic thing that we can do to provide health, safety, and welfare for the public. Um, I think in this instance, um, it's this is the most you know basic form of shelter, and uh, it meets that need of trying to protect the health, safety, and welfare of these folks. Um, and that's really important to me personally, but obviously, or I shouldn't say obviously, but of course to our team as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're, we're very, um, I guess, grateful and find it rewarding that we can actually be a part of this mm -hmm. from both the design and the, and the construction side. We, we are, I guess, honored, I should say, that, that we're able to pull this off uh, and, and work with community development to meet the needs of the community. That's why we're here. We're public servants. Thank you so much both for your time and all of your work on this project. Uh, make sure if you're listening to this, stay connected with us. We'll be posting on social media, the mayor's blog, of course, more as we work toward providing solutions to anybody experiencing homelessness in our community and connecting people with resources. Again, thank you so much for listening. As always, we are here for you every day in engineering and of course here at the city of Madison.